You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello, everybody. It is Wednesday in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. My name is Adam Bittner, Assistant Sports Editor for Multimedia at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, joined for an emergency Pirates podcast uh, for the second week in a row by Jason Mackey. Jason, the, the stove is hot, um, not, not only on uh, some free agent deals, some trades with Marco Gonzalez like we talked about last week, but the Pirates have a new television deal, um, and the, there's an Andy Rodriguez injury to talk about. So, in a period of about 24 hours, a bunch of topics we need to talk about bubbled up. So it, it made sense to just record a podcast about it. Uh, how are you? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. The Pirates pirated last night. Um, I, I laugh at these moments now, having covered this team for a few years where, you know, you have plans to do something. And then here we are, Rowdy Telez. Here we are, Andy Rodriguez. And um, so, yeah, it's uh, I'm, I'm not sure it made anybody feel any better. You know, two of the three were actually positive, I think. But, um, yeah, the fan base and, and everybody who follows this team is kind of in an interesting spot right now and uh, some frustration and a, a weird offseason to this point. Yeah, so we're going we're gonna to start big. We're going to start with this TV deal because I think it has the most wide-reaching re- implications for the team's future. And then yep. we'll kind of narrow down onto the Andy Rodriguez situation, the catchers, all of that. Uh, before we do, just want to thank our sponsor for – uh, every episode of our Pirates podcast, the North Shore Tavern. Um, as always, the North Shore Tavern, if you love baseball, you'll love the North Shore Tavern. The interior is wall-to-wall pirates. There are appetizers, entrees, cocktails, and, of course, steak and seafood on a sizzling lava stone. Open every day the North Shore Tavern across from PNC Park. is Pittsburgh's home for steak on a stone. Jason, we just had our uh, Post-Gazette Sports holiday party there on Monday. Um, some good food, some good times. It was nice to get everyone together in one room. It's rare that we actually do that, so... Um, shout out to North Shore Tavern for making that a great experience for all of us. Um, okay, let's get into it with this TV deal. The this, the Pirates, you know, the headline is they're staying basically where they've been for most of my life, most of your life, on the AT&T Sportsnet um, channel. Uh, it's gone by different names, different periods of time, but it's, it's, you know, Pittsburgh's regional sports network. Now it's no longer owned by a third party. It is owned directly by both the Pirates and the Penguins, the Pirates become co-owners after the Penguins had already hopped on um, and, and bought out uh, the rights um, earlier in the year. What's your overall top line reaction to the deal and, and, and its details? And then we can kind of dig into some of the nitty gritty. Yeah, I've got I've got thoughts on this, um, as I'm sure you do. But I, I like it. I'm not surprised by it. This is the route I expected them to go. Um you know, it, it, it bounced back and forth, right? Like this had different flavors to it, but this one had kind of gotten some some staying power 
for a large reason, because of what I think is going to be a bit of a departure from what fans have seen previously, meaning like an hour of pregame, postgame. I think it's going to have a little different feel, and you're starting to see that with Penguins games because it's not it's not a traditional RSN. I think it's kind of like a beefed-up RSN. I like the job Nesson does personally. And that relationship, I think, is kind of key to, to why the Pirates wanted this, to making this work. I think initially, I mean, it's a shorter-term deal, as I reported, Um my speculation would be like two, three years. I mean, it's multiple years, so it's no fewer than two. I don't really see why it would go beyond three. I believe that puts them to the next um, CBA. But in any case, like there's some interesting elements. I think there's some continuity, which is important to point out, which I did with like the announcers, how games are handled, um, analysts and that sort of thing. But, you know, I, I think the nut of it, Adam, is just where are the pirates going to be able to replicate between 50 and 60 million dollars? in this TV deal. And I don't think it's there yet, but I'm curious what that means as far as like national revenue, national advertisers, things that happen, uh, a direct to consumer streaming option, that sort of stuff. Like it might come in different forms, but I think this is run well enough that I am curious to see what Nesson can do to juice more money out of this package. Yeah. I think I was going to ask this a little bit later, but I might as well hop into this question. Now to me, the streaming option, I think is the most interesting. We're talking about, they're not replicating the 50 to 60 million. Correct me if I'm wrong. We're talking directly about cable revenue. We're we're talking about the RSN itself. We're not talking about a streaming component, but do you look at this deal and say, Hey, like the pirates have maybe some unique potential to sell a lot of streaming subscriptions here because, because of that Pittsburgh diaspora, people who, have had to previously pay the NHL center ice um, to see the Penguins or pay for the MLB extra innings or MLB.tv where you get access to all the games, but you don't get access just to one team if you only want to pay just to watch the Pirates. Um, I think it's very possible that this will be attractive to to out-of-town fans, and I think you could get a lot of people subscribing. Could that help fill that gap of what we're talking about between what they got on the cable side and what – um, you know, they used to have. Yeah. And I mean, I don't think it's going to be a direct replacement, but do I think it's going to swing in the pirates favor? Absolutely. And I think it's an important component of this because, because again, it's, it's money. It's stuff they want to do. I talked to Travis Williams about this this afternoon. I said like, when can fans reasonably expect this direct to consumer streaming option? He said, as soon as possible, like we want it now. Uh, and that's a big thing for the pirates. And I think, I mean, shoot, Adam, I was one of those people that, that lived that life, right? Like I was a Pittsburgher. I went to live in DC for three and a half years. I bought the Sunday ticket package. There were a whole bunch of other Pittsburghers down there with me. And it's, it's that way across the country. Like I, I feel that complaint as much as anything else on this beat, people saying like, I want a streaming option. I want to be able to stream games. And I mean, Nesson also does that. They do it well, they do it expensively. And I think it, it, like you are capitalizing on on what people want. If the pirates cooperate and put a semi-watchable product on there that people in other cities are going to want to identify with, if it's coupled with the Penguins, which it very well might be, so maybe you don't give people a choice and you sort of reel them in and ride maybe some of the Penguins' success. That it, I know it's a little bit of a tough sell right now, but you know there's a way to do this business-wise if you have a streaming option for people that I think is going to be extremely popular given Pittsburghers, wherever you are, your passion for sports. Well, I, you know, I'm going to have to sit down and look at the numbers if and when this this comes to, to pass, Jason. But even in, in market, I think it, it could be pretty attractive if you don't want to pay for 800 other channels on, on your cable package and you just want to watch the yeah. Pirates, Penguins. Maybe you get your ESPNs, your FS1s thrown in there, your network television. I think a lot of people would be satisfied with that. 
I think this gives you a pathway to that if even if you're a local fan. And so I'd be curious to see what those numbers are, um, you know, on the local side. And maybe the, maybe the Pirates and Penguins get a little bit more out of the local sports fan than they were before to replace those sports fans that were paying for AT&T Sportsnet before that no longer are through the cable bundle because they don't care as much about sports. So uh, the streaming thing is the number one thing I'm, I'm most curious about to see that, you know, play out in the next months and, and years um, after this this deal. Um, I wanted to ask you this directly because I know you talked to Travis Williams about it, um, the impact that the lack of a deal until today had on their ability to spend and do business in free agency. I know a lot of fans are upset that they haven't made no. more movies, haven't seen more no, really? going on. Yeah, so so tell me what Travis Williams said about that and the impact that that's had on this offseason so far. So Travis said it has not. Um, said absolutely not. It's going not going to impact the way they've done business. Um, you know, I heard feedback on on both ends. Um, I felt from the reporter standpoint that was an important question to ask, and that was my impetus. And then everybody else can feel how they want. But you know, I heard the smart aleck responses from if you don't have any expectations, you can't not meet them, or if you never actually do anything, of course you can never actually not do anything. You get the idea. Um, I really don't think that it has had a lot of impact, Adam. I don't. I, and I think the Pirates set out, and, and I need to be careful with this because people seem to take this as me like endorsing the idea. But you know you need a lot of pitching. You know that the number of dollars you're going to spend, if you're Ben Charrington, if you're Travis Williams, like you're going to be allowed to spend are not as much as anybody would like, right? And so you have to be targeted with those additions. So the Pirates sort of, nudge themselves into a deal with Marco Gonzalez. And I, frankly, I don't have any issue with that being a, a number four or five starter for $3 million. You're going to create a platoon with Rowdy Telez and Connor Joe and save, you know, a little bit of money and hopefully redirect that into pitching. I think where the pirates are going to see this sort of stuff happen is via trade. We knew that um, where they trade. I don't know who they trade. I don't know. Um, they're aware they need to fix pitching. So, um, I guess that's a long way of saying that this is going to take time. And I think that it's okay if they're not just plunking $13 million down on Luis Severino. I don't necessarily love that. I would much rather see them bundle a, a Nick Gonzalez and something else to try to make that happen. I think they might get a better pitcher for more years of club control. Um, but in any case, um, yeah, I, I don't think I don't think they're not spending money because of the TV deal. I think they're trying to execute a plan that's trying that's taking a little bit longer because of the nature of players involved. If that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I I certainly see that, and I think you know when you're talking about I don't know what what's the difference here ten twelve million we think maybe if we're we're pulling an estimate, um, you know I I wonder how you know in the grand scheme of all the operating income, all the national television money, all of the the gate revenue. Um, you know, what percentage is, is this, this loss in potential loss in TV revenue, you know, at the end of the day and, and granted, yeah. I, you know, $10 million sounds like a lot of money, but I think in the context of owning a baseball team, it is kind of like Travis Williams was saying is it, it's somewhat incidental. I, I understand why fans wouldn't feel that way. Um, you know, certainly when they've only spent $6 million so far, but um, yeah, I, I'm willing to wait and see. And, and before, yeah. you know, if, if you want to crush them in February because they haven't spent money, by all means, I just like that's been my soapbox. Like it's December 13th, man. Like let's let just give it a little bit more time. Just give it time. There are other teams that haven't spent too. 
Yeah, and trades happen, you know, what, the Josh Bell trade happened on Christmas. I'm sure you remember that better than anyone else. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, I seem to recall that one. <laughs> yeah, so so at least through the end of the year, I think, before I, I start firing up the takes to too high a degree. Um, uh, in terms of this television deal, one thing I wanted to ask about, too, that I know you asked Travis Williams, was the conflict of interest concerns of Nesson is operating this this network this the northeast sports network uh it is owned by the fenway sports group which owns the red sox also owns the penguins so there was you know some concern that if this is the arrangement you know early on is it almost like you know the the pirates are asking the red sox for money that they're you know hitting up the big club and saying hey you know what can we spend what are we allowed to do um I, I noticed the wording in your story was very specific, Jason. You said this is this is a joint venture owned by the Penguins and Pirates. Yep. The Pirates have ownership and it is managed by Nesson. Talk me through the nuts and bolts of that. Yep. So there. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. They're very particular about that. Um, I understand that. Nesson's managing it. I asked Travis, um, you know, sort of like, what did MLB say? And, and how do you guys, I asked him basically the same question, Adam. And I said, if I look at this, I would look at it and think about this is a weird arrangement and maybe a conflict of interest. How is this not a conflict of interest? Um, he, he talked up the relationships with all involved, which is fine. He said MLB didn't raise a stink, and I thought the interesting part of his answer about MLB was saying that MLB looked at FSG and, and Nesson as a hockey group. They didn't look at them as a baseball group, which, okay. I mean, you're partnering the Penguins. Okay, you like the, the FSG-owned Penguins is partnering with the baseball team, the Pirates. Got it. But, I mean, that's like ignoring who owns the Penguins. You know, the same conglomerate owns the Penguins as owns Liverpool and drag racing and whatever. So, I mean, like, I don't understand that. Then it took me to another level where I said, what if you wanted to do something sneaky? If you were S FSG, what would you be doing? What sort of crime would you be committing? Even if it was a bit of a quote unquote conflict of interest, would you be wanting to promote the pirates on your network? Like, is that bad? Is that bad for? You know, you wouldn't be directly handing Bob Nutting money. I wouldn't think so. Although in a larger scale, John Henry does hand Bob Nutting money, you know, through veteran veteran sharing, revenue sharing. Um, you know, are, are they going to work together to make this station work? Potentially. Um, but is that good business or cheating? I don't I don't I don't know if I see that as, you know, maybe you could complain on the Red Sox side that it's some sort of conflict of interest. Like if John Henry's promoting this stuff, it's helping pull along another club. I feel like that's also calling 
unnecessary roughness on the quarterback. Like the pirates are cheating by getting too much money. Really? Like I just, I, I don't, I don't, as I did more mental gymnastics on this, Adam, I could, I, unless there's something I'm not seeing, I just don't necessarily see what sort of crimes the pirates can be committing by doing this other than maybe being, you know, helped along a little bit by the Red Sox, even if it's as simple as national ad accounts or popularity or having, you know, clearly smart people running Ness. And if they're also running um, Sportsnet Pittsburgh. And I just, I don't, I don't think that's something that is wrong or illegal. Yeah, I, I wouldn't certainly say illegal. I think if I was going to articulate the concern, it would, it would be, well, you're, you're getting a worse television deal than you had before. And that's sure. not, that's not FSG. For now. Stuff. For now. Right, right. But you, you're making less money and, and you're getting into business with, you know, another MLB team. How can you not, you know, somewhat connect those dots and say the, the Red Sox are, are lowballing the Pirates to some extent? Um, I, I would say who else was involved in offering, you know, a deal that, that was, um, you know, attractive and, and attractive to the fan base as well? Because again, if the Pirates end up with MLB's TV deal, you know, what, how does that affect distribution? How does that affect their connection to the community? I think about all that programming inside Pirates baseball through all those years. How many rain delays do we sit through? And you watch the current ones, but you also watch years old documentaries, interviews with guys who've been dead for years that are, I think are treasures to a lot of Pirates fans to, to kind of, you know, keep the history alive. And, and that would keep all go that away. Going. That would all go away. Right, right. And, and so I think there's there's some value there, even if you're making less money in, in terms of, of keeping that connection with, with the fans. It is complicated. It, it, television is complicated these days. And I think, you know, in the absence of, of true streaming platforms stepping up, there were only so many customers, you know, for the Pirates services anyway, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, but their ratings are very good. I think sixth highest in MLB, something like that. I mean, it's not like they're struggling. You know, if you would look at maybe their their ratings compared to what they got, I mean, maybe it's it's not great. I don't know the exact number of what they got again. Uh, but even if you look at it from a low end, like I kind of look at this from a strategic and a business standpoint in a couple different ways. I mean, one, it's a short term deal. So if it doesn't work out and the MLB thing suddenly takes off and that's a more viable option in three years, they've left that door open. At the same time, I think there's I'm going to wait and see like that sort of idea going at this with Nesson. What if this really works? I mean, what if there's ways to tap into national advertisers that the Pirates previously didn't have or ways to bring in dollars that they didn't have because of what Nesson has established? I mean, that might be really good. And I mean, that takes care of Nesson. They're, they're looking to start Sportsnet Pittsburgh for a Pirates standpoint. And the component that they need to make it work is a bunch of programming to basically give staff a, a year-round job and you know, again, attract different advertisers. So, I mean, you are kind of scratching each other's backs. And so if you go at it saying like, it's a short-term deal, this is, these are the dollars, but the potential to grow into more um, or the potential, maybe it doesn't work and we go somewhere else. Like, I don't know. I, I kind of get that from a strategic standpoint. And I also get resisting the MLB model right now. I don't think that's the smartest move for the pirates because of what you mentioned, no pre and post, no inside pirates baseball. Like as nostalgic as some of that stuff is, I understand the Pirates argument where they're like, hey, man, like we need to get messages out about our prospects. We need to get messages out about what we're doing. We need to do like the big sit down with Bradley Haddad or, something. you know, stories that like they're not going to expect external media to write, but they want to do themselves. Like, I understand that. Yeah. And uh, Jason, I think you led in well to my last question on this topic before we move on to Andy, which was um, 
how do you feel that the Pirates are lined up compared to the rest of the sport? Because like they're losing money, yes, but so are most of the rest of these teams on the deals. You know, with Diamond Sportsnet, which owned yep. the Bally stations, the teams that were on AT and T. Um, it seems like the teams in the sport that are doing the best financially are have a similar arrangement, right? It's it's the Red Sox with Nesson. It's um, the Yankees with Yes Network. It's uh, the the Mets with with SNY. This this seems like the Pirates are moving closer to that model here with what they're doing than than you know some of these other clubs that just it kind of feels like they're being left to twist in the wind. Yeah, no, I think it was important for the Pirates to do that, and I like to answer the the initial question. I think they're in a pretty good spot with it. I think the the dollars up front initially right now might be less, but I think big picture they're in a better spot. I don't think whatever lag and you know, dollars in the initial start of the TV deal, which again, might not be much, but um, whatever, it it really doesn't matter. Like, I like what they're doing here. I like the possibility of it. I like, I I think this is going to be an important thing for a lot of teams. And the fact that there's the natural tie-in with FSG and the Penguins, and there's a good relationship there, again, done right. I think this could make a lot of sense for the Pirates. I would much rather see them doing this than if they go the MLB route right now before it's ready which I think is where we're at. Now, if the MLB sort of fixes it, changes it, seemingly they're more ready, I think that's the right way to say it, more prepared to to pull teams under their umbrella, I think that makes sense. But for right now, I think the Pirates did the best available thing. They got the most money they could, and now I'm interested to see where this goes. Yeah, I'm I'm interested to see as well, especially that that streaming option that we talked a lot about. Um, Jason, let's let's get into the Andy Rodriguez injury. I think the first question a lot of people had was why was he in a winter ball to get injured in the first place? He's the starting catcher. Um, you know, obviously he, he didn't play, I think, to the level a lot of people hoped for when they were clamoring for him to be called up. But, you know, I think he was an acceptable option for a lot of people at catcher. And, and now you don't have him for an entire season. Talk me through what, what their logic was having him in that situation at all. Yeah. And let me just start off, Adam, by saying I agree with it. I don't think he should have been in winter ball. I don't I mean, I understand it. I just don't like it. Um, I don't see any need for him to play winter ball, but if I'm going to explain the thought process and why we got to this point, it's this. Um, This is a tough dynamic with some younger Latin players where they want to play. They want to play winter ball. Um, Guys want to represent their country. They want to make a little extra money. Um, And you kind of have to – it's delicate. You don't want to sour a relationship with a player. You want to respect their desire to get better and play for their country. In Andy's case, like he didn't have a very good year. I mean, he did some things well. But I would argue offensively, he was not very good. Defensively, he has room to grow. And so you combine like, hey, I want to play for my home country. I want to work on X, Y, and Z. Um, you you, you kind of just green light it and hope nothing happens. Well, something did. And I think with Endy's case, um, why I specifically don't like this, if you remember back to April, he was dealing with some elbow stuff. He was shut down for a couple weeks. And you know, looking back now, that was probably something. Now he got through the rest of the season. He threw extremely well. The velocity on his throws down to the second were good. Pop time was good. Like it didn't really show itself in performance on the field. But was this a risk the Pirates needed to take? No. Like I, I think this is a lesson learned where, you know, you kind of draw a line in the sand and say, we're the adults in the room. We employ you. You're not playing. And I think the next time they have a scenario like this, that's what it should be. It just thinks that right now it takes a, a promising young player and a really important part of that player out of the clubhouse. 
Yeah, and it, it muddles the the catching situation. Yeah. I think you and I, the last we talked, we were like, what exactly is going on with the catching situation? I think now we have now learned the reason <laughs> that the Pirates were making some of these moves at yeah. catchers because they knew something was wrong and we didn't necessarily uh, know that. That it, it, I think it explains a lot of the – out of nowhere, I feel confidence that they are now expressing in Henry Davis to be part of that, that catching situation. Um, what's your read on what they really think here? Because to me – they're trying to have things both ways. You talk about Austin Hedges for four months as, you know, God's gift to baseball because of the way he plays defense. It doesn't matter if he hits at all. Well, he yeah. plays great defense and we really value that so much more than having Henry Davis here. And he's got a lot to work on. Now all of a sudden he's ready, you know, to, to, to carry the load with Andy out of the picture. Um, you know, talk me through, through where they go from here at that position. Yeah. I mean, and, and not to, defend the pirates moves but i'll try to present the other they i mean it's never it's never one thing um you know you invested money in austin hedges and you're going to try to juice every bit out of them you can and then maybe turn them into something and they waited too long i mean we talked about that last year and you know now given their available options like this is what they have you know ideally they'd prefer that andy rodriguez's elbow was functional and they could maybe rotate him and henry or shoot maybe Henry plays the outfield. I don't, I don't even know. Um, but I it just, it's also possible for Henry to improve just because he stunk behind the plate last year. Uh, doesn't mean he can't be better this year. And so given their available options, um, we also don't know that they're not looking for some help. Like I believe Jacob Stallings is still out there, which is an interesting one to me. I don't know how far that gets you, but it probably gets you a little bit of certainty anyway. Um, they also like Jason delay has been fine. If you have Jason DeLay and Henry Davis splitting reps, I mean, okay. I, I, I don't love it, but I don't hate it. Um, DeLay was okay defensively. He makes peanuts. I mean, you're not allocating Austin Hedges' money to him. Um, but I think I think Henry Davis also just deserves a chance to do this. I, that's one issue that I've had with the Pirates and you know their handling of him. Just put him behind the plate. If he's terrible, then at least you know. You gave him a chance to do it. You're not like screwing around with him in right field, him DHing. You're saying he's not ready. Always going to work on catching before the game. Like, man, I don't know. If I would have draft, you draft the kid 1 1 in 2021, you see other kids from that draft coming up. You've tried your best. You've done the best you possibly can to develop him. If you feel like there's nothing left to be gained in AAA, you bring him up and you rip the band aid off and you let him go. And if it stinks, then you've got to ask some questions about your development. But so anyway, I think that accomplishes that. Adam, I mean, mean you know, you're going to throw him into the deep end and see what happens. Um, maybe you get a bit part, a little bit more depth along with Ali Sanchez, but uh, it's an interesting situation for sure. Yeah, I, I think my my concern would be that, that it it just does not feel like they have a plan with this guy. And and is this the best thing? For his, is is it the best thing for his development to say, well, now we have this problem and we're going to make you the solution? And you know, they had all these concerns before and and. You're right. I mean, there's still time for them to do things. And so, again, this is probably – let's talk about this a little bit more when we get into Bradenton and, and all that. But as we sit here today, it, it just feels like you're just putting him where it's most convenient, and I don't think that's what you should be doing with a 1-1 type of guy. Fair – completely fair point, man. Completely fair point. But devil's advocate isn't the best option for him to catch – like the best I just don't like how we got here I guess I, I agree with you I agree with you and I I think maybe they signed Sanchez like you give Davis a chance to earn the job in spring right like and if he's hideous 
then you've got to go another route. Maybe you go delay in Sanchez. Maybe you pick somebody else up, put Henry in AAA. I don't know. Uh, but I think ideally you want Henry to spend an offseason improving his catching enough that it's viable to be in a major league game. I don't know if it will be or won't be. Um, but, you know, like you said, the path to get here was awful circuitous, but we're here now. And so he needs to catch and he's going to have the opportunity to catch if he can hit, if he can catch and hit too, I should say. Yeah, so that'll be a, a situation worth monitoring. Jason, I want to ask you this question. I came up, I was recording the show that is going to come out tomorrow with with Paul Zeiss. Um, he actually asked me the question, so I'm going to pose it to you. Um, are the Pirates a better or worse team today than they were when the season ended with the loss of Johan Oviedo and Andy Rodriguez? Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm curious to hear your opinion. I would say worse. That's a good question. Um, I feel like if you say better, you 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 look crazy, or somebody's going to scream at you. Um, but they didn't lose that much. They lost what from from their opening day roster. Talk me through this. They lost Kutch. They lost Velasquez, or from their their final day of the season roster. Those guys weren't impacting anything. They get O'Neill Cruz back theoretically. Are you telling me I get the season-ending versions of Brian Reynolds, Jack Sawinski, and Key Brian Hayes, but I don't have Andy Rodriguez? Um, can I say the same? That's probably a cop out. Um, no, I think that's a, a, a you know I think that's a fair C option to add to the question. I will say that they are worse, not by much, um, on account of losing their starting catcher, losing somebody I thought was really growing in nicely to a number two. Um, in Johan Oviedo and having some uncertainty with what Marco Gonzalez is going to bring and what other pitchers we're going to develop into. But I, I don't think it's all that different. What about you? I, I think, I think they're a little bit worse as well. And, and I, and this is the frustrating part is you've had a month of the off season. We, we probably shouldn't be having that conversation of, are they better or worse? You know, they, they there should be some things to get people a little bit more, you know, excited. And, and like you said, sometimes these things take time, but I certainly understand the apprehension, you know, as, as it's bleeding out now. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's a difficult question, but it, it had to be asked and I'm glad Paul asked it. So check out his answer um, on the Thursday video. That, that's a little tease for you in the business. Um, I bet Paul thought they were better, right? You don't have to tell me. I'm he thought they were way worse. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. Okay. So uh, here, here, here's the thing. And I should say it in Paul's eyes voice, but I can't um, it, like, maybe I need to have more of a sense of urgency, but I just, the pirates are not people's number one destination. I, in, in case anybody watching this, like actually thought they were put yourself in a player's shoes right now. If you're a player worth a darn, why are you going to jump at the chance to sign at the pirates in December when you're going to theoretically hope you have other options? No, it gets later in the offseason. You want to make sure you have a job. You want to make sure you're a starter. You want to make sure you're an important part of a team. And at that point, you're going you're gonna to sign something, and it's going to move you. But right now, as we sit here on December 13th, Adam, like that's not motivating. Now, if the Pirates break through, if they win 86 games, if they're a lot of fun and people see those seeds starting to grow, that's going to change perception. You know, But that's not there yet right now and the goal is to change that and want pittsburgh to be more of a desired destination the way it was in 13 14 15 but it's just not that right now 
Yeah, I get that. But I think there's also a level where, you know, to get to 13, 14, 15, you had 11 and 12. And, and I don't know that I'm, yeah. I'm getting 11 and 12 vibes, especially 12 with, you know, when, when AJ Burnett gets here and, uh, you know, I think was a big culture change. And, and um, obviously the production was, was a huge component of it. But um, sometimes you got to do things to change that mindset too, right? And I, right. I, I look and at they went out and traded for Russ and they haven't done done something similar with the or did they no they signed russ they didn't trade for russ they traded for Fournette and signed right. russell martin yeah yeah so i think in the absence of some of those moves like you know you got to get the the, the snowball is going to get rolling somewhere and and right. i haven't seen them make that move that makes people say okay well we're going to maybe take them a little bit more seriously um right. and i guess that's the, the criticism that i'd, I'd level um jason i, I want to get you out of here on this Roddy Telez, we could have probably done a whole episode on on the first base situation but Given everything that's that's happened, it's kind of the footnote here at the end of the um, end of the show. What do you think of of that signing? Three million. I I've seen a lot of angry people about you know the appearance that this is how they're going to address first base a platoon with Connor Joe and, and Rowdy Telez. Um, what's your what's your read on that move and, and the potential of it? All right, comedic comedic stuff first. I'm so excited. There's one player in Major League Baseball nicknamed Rowdy. And I take a great amount of pleasure in calling Andrew Destin Rowdy as people who who follow us on Twitter know because he's the most organized, polite, kind, you know, just wonderful, wonderful kid. I love Andrew. Um, but so calling him Rowdy and saying he's like out of control and an attitude problem is is fun for me. So now that we have a Pirates player named Rowdy, it's even more fun. Um, what they're doing at first base, I this is an unpopular take, as I've been told on Twitter, and that's fine, and I don't really care. Um I don't hate it. I don't really have any problem with it. I mean, they're, they're, this is a true platoon. You're taking Rowdy Telez and banking that he's going to be more what he was in 2022 when he had 35 home runs. If nothing else, the dude's hit right-handed pitching pretty well throughout his career, and that's what they need him to do. They don't need him to do, you know, to, to field or, or to run all that well. Like, there's other guys to do that. You need left-handed power, and you can split him with Connor Joe, which, like, Connor Joe does some other stuff okay, but – we know he can hit left-handed pitching. So I want Connor Joe to hit left-handed pitching and play first base. I want Rowdy Telez to hit right-handed pitching and play first base. Together, they're going to cost you, what, $5 bucks, And they could produce, theoretically, a combined OPS like between 780 and 800 That That's commensurate production for what they're spending. Um, yeah, there's a few leaps that we're taking. Like you're expecting Telez to be a little bit more like 2022. What if he is? What if he somehow discovers that then all of a sudden you've blown away $5 million for that level of production? Like people weren't this hacked off about Yo or Yoshi, about um, G-Man Choi. And the salary was about the same. I mean, he's going to be making a little bit more than Choi and the production's theoretically going to be a heck of a lot better. So I don't have a problem with it. If you want to, you know, rip me, rip me. But I, I don't see anything to get that upset about. Do you think they're done here, Jason, A, and, and B, um, if they're not, I mean, I, I know you were a big fan of Carlos Santana. We've, we've had a couple conversations about that. Um, they don't go that direction. What's your, you know, takeaway from that is as someone who that seemed to be the move you preferred and now this is what you've done. Well, I don't think they want to spend that money on Carlos Santana and we, do I agree with it? No. Would I rather have Carlos Santana? Yes. But do I understand what they're doing here? Yes. And I think it's all incumbent on another piece of the off season. If you're going to save this money on first base, and they, they're, they're saving a decent chunk of change. Like Santana's projection, I think, was $7.5 million. And right now, at this point in the offseason, he's probably holding out trying to get $7.5, $8 million. That's great. But, you know, I'm going to slice four. 
off of that to get Rowdy Telez and then Platoon. If that gets me another pitcher, I'm taking the pitcher. I mean, right now they have two starting pitchers in their rotation and four million at, at or direct. I mean, that that was enough to afford, I believe, Jose Quintana and Tyler Anderson. You just had to wait a little bit for those deals to come together. I would like that. I would like them to get more pitching. So if you tell me, like, we think we're going to be able to get pitching if we just wait it out and we're going to be able to get pitching for cheap and fix these guys the way we fixed other people, but we have to live with Rowdy Telez at first base. I, I, I can't really disagree with it. Again, like the, the greater need is pitching. And also, like, sorry to keep blabbing on this, but I mean, I want to leave a little bit of runway for like guys like Jared Triola. What if Jared Triola works out? You got to play him somewhere. I want to see him get at bats. Um, so I I don't I don't hate it for those reasons. Um, can we include Henry Davis in that possible runway conversation? Do, first, you, do you think there's any chance? No, no, None. no. I don't I don't think so. I I think that's just probably a better chance of Jack Sawinski playing first base than Henry. And I don't think there's a very good chance of either one of them playing first base, to be perfectly honest with you. Um I I I saw Endy as somebody who could go over there, and that was with when he was healthy and you had four catchers and trying to figure out what the heck you're doing. It makes a little bit more sense now. Um, yeah, I mean, it's an interesting question, Adam. I mean, maybe you want to start, you know, working with somebody to get over there. I don't think we've heard, I know this is kind of an off the board one. I don't think we've heard the last of Malcolm Nunez. Um, I, I've watched a lot of him, his body type, what he can do. There's a lot of power there. I know it's a right-handed bat, but, like and he was really banged up all of last year. He's one of the guys they got in the Oviedo trade. I'm just curious to see what he pans out. I mean, maybe maybe it's nothing. Maybe it ends up being Mason Martin. I don't know, but um, yeah, I just I Henry Davis's arm is too good for me. I don't want to put it over there. Same reason I don't like Cruz going over there. You're just wasting what those guys do so well. Yeah, I, I can certainly see that argument, but at a certain point, if if the bat plays, you know, is that going to govern things? You know, yeah, that, that be my question is if you if you can't find yeah. a place for that bat, and he if he can't catch, if he can't play the outfield, and you have to find a place for that bat, it feels like the only solution left on the board for me, other than saying you're just a DH. I agree with you, and I would not want to have my one-one pick turn into a DH. I don't think that's a great outcome. I'm just saying I'm not there yet. Like I would rather, I mean, honestly, Adam, I kind of circle back to. I, I, I almost wish they would have just made him an outfielder and just say, screw it. Like you, you can't catch, you're going to play the outfield. But if we look at two positions where he might be equally defensively deficient right now for this year, the need is catcher. So, mm-hmm. okay, go do it. And then if you can't do it after a whole off season, a bunch of playing time to work on stuff, if you can't do it then, well, at least we know you're not a catcher. And then they can move on. So I understand that aspect of it. And they are insulated a little bit with Jason DeLay. And I don't, I don't love the Sanchez thing, but you know, maybe you can improve upon that with something. Um, I, I've always been a guy like, I just don't, I don't, if you can get premium offense from behind the plate, that's fantastic. Uh, last I checked, the pirates weren't going to be paying for, uh, you know, premium offense behind the plate, whatever name you want to throw out there. But um, yeah, I just, just get somebody reasonable and, uh, Henry might be able to do that. I think he at least deserves a chance. Yeah, I agree. I think that's a good place to leave it, Jason. Any final thoughts? No, that's it. I appreciate us doing this, though. A lot to talk yeah. about. 
Uh, it was semi-depressing. It's fun. I know it's a, it was a long emergency podcast. A lot of a lot of things, but you know, some clarity. I think is what a lot of pirate fans have been looking for on on the television deal. So you know, seeing how that plays out and, and what that product looks like, I think is going to be you know an exciting change going into next season. Um, so Jason, thanks for stopping by. Thanks for talking to me, everyone. I, I already teased. I'll be on with Jace or uh, Paul Zeiss uh, Thursday here on the Sports Now YouTube channel. Um, we talked a little bit of Jaden Daniels, Justin Fields. Could they be in the mix for the Steelers? Christopher Carter will be back on the North Shore Drive Friday. Um, he'll have plenty of Steelers Colts conversations. So make sure you subscribe. Make sure you like this video if you enjoyed it. Help us out in the YouTube algorithm. Help us reach uh, more Pirates fans who might be looking for this type of content. Um, and until next time, we will talk to you. Uh, you're you're, you're going to be back uh, on pitching in, right, Jason, before I sign off? I think so. I think so. We're going to try. Um, this week's been haywire. Um, so yes, we're in the process of trying to schedule that out. Um, my, my, what I was trying to get done this week has been thrown for a loop because of (laughs) three breaking news items in about 12 hours, but we're going to try. So cool. Well, stay tuned for that and we will talk to you again next time. Thank you for checking out this content from Post-Gazette Sports. If you watch this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our channel. For all of the sports coverage the Post-Gazette has to offer, visit post-gazette.com.